the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Every so often, maybe while you're reading a book, or watching a movie, maybe even just visiting a place, you might find yourself thinking, well that looks a little familiar. Maybe that sounds or even smells a little familiar. That strange phenomena we call deja vu, or something like that. Matthew's account of Jesus and his temptation in the wilderness is really one great big theological deja vu. As we read in here in Matthew 4, we get this overwhelming sense that this is a very familiar setting. Maybe we've heard this kind of story before. We've read this account and what's happened. Listen to how Matthew begins the narrative. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward, he was hungry. Think about the setting here for a moment or two as well. Jesus is in the wilderness. He's being tempted. He's hungry. He's been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. Now there, the numbers alone are a little bit of a loaded phrase from the Old Testament. And all of this sounds, well, a little bit familiar, doesn't it? Because it is. For good reason, you might be thinking that. Jesus' temptation in the wilderness is the classic cover of a classic song, a reboot of an old movie, a reprint of an ancient story. It's the story of Israel's exodus and their wandering out in the wilderness. In many ways, Matthew is telling us that Jesus himself is Israel. In one man, in the perfect God-man, representing Israel and representing us. In fact, he's repeating history for you. And so he is also true man, able to be tempted like us, and true God, able to overcome temptation for us, as one of us. So here in the wilderness, Jesus is Israel reduced down to one man. And like it happens so often in Scripture... Matthew 4, here, history repeats itself again. Just as Israel's identity was God's chosen son, that's who God declared them to be, in a similar but now greater way, Jesus is identified as the true and only begotten son. That's what the baptism of Jesus just before this temptation in the wilderness event was all about. Jesus is God's chosen holy one. Just as Israel was saved from death by the blood of the Passover lamb, Jesus comes to offer himself as the final Passover lamb of God, who by his sacrifice will take away the sin of the world. Just as Israel passed through the waters of the Red Sea, Jesus passes through the waters of the Jordan in his baptism, on his way to a greater exodus on the cross. Israel was in the wilderness for 40 years. Jesus spends 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. Israel was tested and hungered during their wilderness wandering. Now Jesus hungers and faces temptation in the wilderness as well. You see, here in the wilderness of Matthew 4, history is repeating itself. Only this time, there's a different outcome. The end of the story is going to be changed. It's going to be different. Where Israel failed time and time and time again, Jesus succeeds. Where Israel rebelled, Jesus is faithful. Where Israel disobeyed God's word, now Jesus obeys the Father's word and will perfectly. 
But again, not for himself. He's out there for Israel. He's out there in the wilderness for you as well. And as you look at all the Old Testament quotations that Jesus uses during his encounter and temptation with the devil, he uses them to rebuke and to repel the devil. They also recall a little bit of a recurring theme in the Old Testament, Israel's constant failure and God's constant faithfulness. In the first temptation, the devil tempts Jesus to use his own power to help or to serve himself. If you're the Son of God, command that those stones over there become bread. After all, you're rather hungry after 40 days. But unlike Israel, who grumbled and complained and hungered in the wilderness and did not trust the Lord to provide for them as he promised, Jesus does not fail. Hungry though he was, he did not grumble against the Father. He did not wonder if the Father would provide for him or doubt God's promises. He simply says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then in the second temptation, the devil tempts Jesus to doubt the Father's power on his behalf, or maybe to misuse that power for his own selfish gain as well. He says to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it's written, He will give his angels charge over you. Again, Jesus replies with the correct understanding of God's word. It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And here again, unlike Israel, who quarreled with Moses and doubted that God would provide water from the rock for their thirst out in the wilderness, Jesus does not fail. Unlike Israel, Jesus trusts the Father perfectly, solely, on Israel's behalf, on your behalf too. And then the third and final temptation the devil takes Jesus and turns him, tries to turn him away from worship and service to the Father alone and to worship him instead. So he took Jesus onto an exceedingly high mountain. He showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and he said to him, All these things I'll give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Again, unlike Israel, Jesus keeps that first and that foundational commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And he says, Away with you, be gone, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God only, and you only, him only shall you serve. Jesus' life and his ministry, his death and his resurrection, are meant to be a perfect act of worship and service to the Father, on your behalf. Not for himself again, but for Israel and for you. So he does not give in to this last temptation either. And in many ways, we're a lot like Israel was in the Old Testament, in need of rescue and redemption. Like Israel, we too fail and falter and fall in our sin. Like Israel, we too, we grumble and complain. We quarrel, we rebel against God's word. We doubt his promises. Despite all of the goodness and gracious promises he gives us and continually and daily does for us. Like Israel, we continually repeat history when we live in our spiritual version of insanity, doing the same sinful things over and over again, expecting to have different results. 
falling into the same temptations they did. Like Israel, we repeat history when simply we relive and replay our sins over and over and over again. But all of this is exactly why Jesus is led out by the Spirit into the wilderness. He's there to be tempted for you. For we do not have a high priest, the book of Hebrews writes, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but in all ways is tempted as we are. And here's the important part, yet without sin. So when you are tempted, know that Jesus has defeated the devil for you. He has wandered out there in the wilderness for you. There's no place that Satan could take you, that Jesus isn't already there for you. And there's no temptation that Satan can throw in your face that hasn't already been faced and defeated for you by Jesus. In his defeat of the devil in the wilderness, and even more so in his defeat of the devil on the cross for you. You see, Jesus' temptation isn't a spiritual playbook on how we should battle temptation against the devil. He's not out there in the wilderness to be our Jimmy Cricket or our guide. He's in the wilderness to succeed where Israel failed and where we continually fail in thought, word, and deed, and where we sin. Jesus is out there to repeat history in our place and to give us that redeemed, saving outcome to redeem and rescue our history, and to promise a holy, blessed, sacred future in Him. He's out in the wilderness to bring us into the promised land. And that's why He's going to the cross for us as we journey on with Him this season of Lent. And the Lord grants you a blessed season of Lent and a holy meditation upon our Lord's word and work for you and His victory for you this day and always. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.